there are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses. It's the art and science of money. My job has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio from the Global News Radio Studios in Toronto with Hi-Fi Portfolio Managers. Here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle. Well, good morning, and welcome back to the show about money. It's a show for you to help you have more money. I'm Wolfgang Klein, Portfolio Manager. Yes, I manage money for people. I help them, well, with a lot of different things. Uh, tax planning, financial planning, building a sound portfolio, uh, keeping them on a investment plan. It's, it's incredible. Jack and I often do uh, port, or financial plan reviews. Uh, we'll sit down with a client and with our planner. Uh, we will draft a financial plan. Uh, and the financial plan has current assets, um, long-term projections, and often a savings component, uh, RSP contribution, TFSA contribution. I have a new one, by the way, I'm going to start to throw in there in a financial plan. That's charitable giving. I cannot stress this point enough, but uh, I digress until I digress to my next guest, Holly Thompson, who is the Director of Public Relations uh, for a very, very uh, uh, grassroots, highly effective uh, the charity called the Scott Mission. Um, but uh, I go back to the financial plan. It's incredible when we uh, write financial plans for clients and they're excited. The numbers look excellent. Uh, it makes sense. There's a chance for success here. Uh, and when we review them three, four years later, uh, I always want to see, did we hit the numbers in terms of the rates of returns and, and, and grow the portfolio the way, the way we said to the client we think we can? Uh, and, and, and what did not get executed? And so often it's the savings component that people stop. Uh, they don't do. Uh, they say they're going to save. They say they're going to compound in dollar, but they don't do it. Uh, fortunately, Jack and I have had uh, some wind at our back and uh, we're, we're exceeding financial plan expectations. But we also plan with a, a low expectation so that we can underpromise, over deliver. But if you're going to go through the effort of composing a financial plan, friends, stick with the plan. Uh, and if you don't know if you've stuck with the plan, review the plan. Uh, this is not complicated stuff, um, but uh, no different than playing a game of golf. You look at the scorecard. Uh, a good financial plan is all about a scorecard. So uh, today's show is all about some. Uh, <clears throat> Issues that or discussions you may have with your financial planner. I hope you're having these discussions with your advisor, your planner, whoever uh, helps guide you with your money. Um, but if they're good, if they're worth their weight of salt, they're often going to make you do things you don't necessarily want to do. Uh, if they're good, they're going to really make you do. They're going to cause you a little bit of discomfort for long-term benefit. They're going to guide you on a proper saving strategy, maxing out those registered accounts, giving to charity making sure you have a will in place, um, uh, making sure that you're putting money aside for your children's education fund. Uh, all, all, these, all these things yeah. you're talking about, Wolf, they're, they're all very simple habits. But like you said, with the financial plan, the, the financial plan, it's easy to come up with a financial plan. The difficult part of it is actually executing the plan and sticking with the plan over the long term. And that's what the, the challenge is. And that's the, you know, the, the daily, the simple habits that we, that we try and instill in our clients. Um, they're very simple, but they're not easy because they take long-term view and they take a lot of dedication to stick with that. The, well, the, the easy part of the plan would be just to go out and blow all your money because everyone wants something, right? Mm-hmm. No, we, managing spending is so important and, and we all consume too much. Uh, Jack uses the phrase sticking to the plan. Again, uh, that, that's sticking to a savings plan. Uh, again, if people were to left to their own devices and they decide to go robo or do it yourself, good luck. You got to stick to a savings plan. You also have to stick to an investment discipline. And when you're on your own, you're lonely and your mind can wreak havoc with you. The media is going to wreak havoc with you. I wish you luck if you're going doing it yourself because you won't stick to plan. I'm certain of that. 
that. Right. Again, so- I'll go back to part of sticking to plan in this day and age, because I'm seeing the numbers in society, we are no longer sticking to the plan of tithing. Tithing is, is, is a concept of charitable giving. It's an old English concept whereby um, parishioners uh, would give 10%, I said 10% of their income, gross net, I don't care, 10% of their income to their church. And their church, of course, would then do good with that money, we hope. Um, tithing is not taught the way it, uh, it once was. Um, but uh, my parents spoke to me about charitable giving my entire life. Um, and some of my closest friends, the, the ones I hold in highest regard, uh, are very uh, philanthropic individuals. Um, a man who was once touted as the devil of the universe, Mr. Bill Gates, go on to Netflix, my good friends, and see what kind of good work Bill Gates is doing with that other awful rich man, Warren Buffett. They're giving and donating billions of dollars to big global causes that they feel they have a high probable chance of <clears throat> solving, eradicating, improving. Um, <clears throat> this is Hi-Fi Radio. I'm Wolfgang Klein, one of the little guys along here with Jack Hartle, a lot bigger than I am, but not big enough to sleep on the streets for Covenant House. Hey, Jack. Yeah, got to throw that in there for you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> well, big enough to donate for you and recognize what you're doing, Wolf. Thank, yeah, yes, you have, you, you have, Jack. And, and you actually raised your donation 10% this year. I'm very, very impressed by you. Um, you you've upped your game, kid. And I'm very, very, very proud of you. Uh, same as Zach, uh, our, our, our new employee. Uh, he's donated uh, to the cause of Covenant House. Um, but we're not doing enough of it. The stats are very alarming here in Canada. Um, and yet the problems persist. Uh, Jack, you gave me a photo today in front of Union Station of a homeless engineer who constructed a shelter I would it was say- actually a pretty good shelter considering the materials that he had but uh, it's it's certainly not the type of uh, uh, shelter that he really wants to have ultimately but uh, you know the, the elements are coming and it'll hopefully keep him warm considering what uh, what's coming at him Jack you know it's incredible because I, I, I'm born and raised in Toronto and um, the city has dramatically changed uh Mostly for the good. Uh, but w- when I was a child, when I was a teen, um, uh, when I worked in rock and roll, uh, I did not see Tent City. Uh, yesterday when I drove into the office uh, along the QEW, just past the Princess Gates, to my right side, on the south side of the QEW, or on the south side of the Gardener, um, just in around Jameson area, little valley of grass towards the highway. In the valley, two shrubs. In between those two shrubs, a little tent erected. With a stainless steel chimney, I kid you not, a little chimney in it, and I saw flames coming out of the chimney. Jack, uh, this sounds very militant to me. The stuff that you you understand when you had to go, what was it, to uh, New Brunswick and, and, and hang out with mosquitoes and some swamp. Yeah, her swamp winter for exercises for sure. Military drill. But, uh, it's, it's amazing the comforts that you can have, but like I said, these, these individuals are, you know, in very, they're desperate. They're very desperate. They're in very tough situations. Mental so illness, Jack. The, the help that you're going to give them through Covenant House, and you're helping youth, which is even more vulnerable. Um, you know, it is very important, obviously, this time of season. Well, Holly Thompson is our next guest. Uh, she's Director of Public Relations. Um, she is with the Scott Mission. Um, very grassroots. Um, the, the, the work the Scott Mission does will bring a tear to my eye each and every time I think about it. Uh, I hope it brings a tear to your eye as well. Uh, there's a lot of causes here in Toronto. Again, any charitable contributions you make, the government is your partner. The government will return approximately 40% of, a, of every dollar you donate. Donate 100, you'll get back 40. So it's not 
as costly to you as possible, which means also you can step up your game. Uh, please stay tuned to Hi Fire Radio. It's about you, it's about money, and it's about helping others as well. Uh, Global News Radio, 640 in Toronto. Money. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi Fire Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Well, good morning. Welcome back to the show about money. It is Hi-Fi Radio. Yep, you never know. God is just around the corner, my good friends. Uh, Scott Mission, full of God. Um, Holly Thompson is here to talk to us about the Scott Mission. Um, welcome and thank you for joining us again on Hi-Fi Radio. Uh, it's been about a year since uh, you've joined us, Holly. Um, so congratulations on sticking it out with the Scott Mission. <laughs> so uh, a lot to talk about, um, Holly. Uh, please give us a quick history of the Scott Mission. I think it's got a very interesting history behind it, the founder. Um, and the, the, the please speak about the good work it does, i.e. you and the Scott Mission each and every day. Yeah, so the Scott Mission was founded 78 years ago. We just celebrated our 78th anniversary. And it was founded on the basis of helping the poorest of the poor in the city. And um, it started with people, you know, who, um, you know, men who were out of work and needed um, hot meals. And um, that continues today. It's a different, we have many different um, uh, areas of ministry, but that basis of hot meals is... is um, uh, still going strong. So every day we serve about 220 hot meals in the morning time to uh, anyone who comes in, not just um, men, not just homeless people, but anyone who needs um, a hot meal to help them get through the day. We have an overnight shelter for 72 men. Uh, we have a, a food and clothing bank for uh, families, uh, about 200, or sorry, uh, 2,500 families come every single month for food and bank, food and clothing bank support. And then we have uh, programs for youth and children as well. And those are um, the emergency um, help that we need when people um, can't get through the day without a little bit of support to help them get through the day. But then we also offer supports that um, help people to transition out of homelessness or um, out of poverty and into a stable life. That's a mouthful, kid. So, uh, you, you know, it, it really is. <clears throat> um, 92,000 hot meals served. Mm-hmm. Um, so you guys trying to rip off McDonald's here? <laughs> Over what period of time? There are better meals than McDonald's. I, I, I bet you they are. A um, uh, period of time for the 92,000 since its inception or is per annum? Per, per year. 92,000 meals yeah. served per year by the Scott Mission. Yeah. 92,000 meals. Yes. That's unbelievable. It is. It's. Uh, they run that kitchen like a machine. <laughs> 5,700 laundry visits and mm-hmm. showers. 22,000 hygiene items. Mm-hmm. So that's sh- like, that's razors, that's shampoo, that's soap, um, everything that, you know. You don't facilities, obviously. Facilities. Yeah. So we have um, washroom facilities. We have laundry facilities, shower facilities um, for people who otherwise would have no access to that. So um, here in some of your work, uh, men's ministry, speak about a gentleman named Doug, beaten down by life, alcohol mm-hmm. was his only comfort. Um, 
when it comes to these, the, the ministry, as you, as you so call them, the ministry of mm-hmm. um, giving someone a, a safe place to sleep, um, a lot of the reasons people don't choose the safe bed to sleep in because they want to continue, because they, are, they have an addiction problem. They are consuming alcohol. They need to consume alcohol continuously. Um, is there a place for people who abuse alcohol to find a warm bed? Because, again, I, I live close to the Humber, and, and, and each and every year out of the Humber comes a few dead bodies or people mm-hmm. who froze overnight. Mm-hmm. They chose not to, to, to take a bed. Yeah, sometimes it's about that choice of, of um, you know, wanting to drink. But sometimes it's just about ex, uh, um, expressing any choice at all, right? So um, part of the problem with homelessness is that your choices are really narrowed, right? You're, you have a few places to go for a meal. You have a few places to sleep at night. And you and I make choices all day long. You know, am I going to have... Uh, coffee or tea, or am I going to have? Uh, yeah, you know, it's a very interesting concept, eh, Jack. Uh, the the word of choice, because mm-hmm. uh, my job, Jack's job, each and every day, uh, and this show is all about this, is about pr- allowing people to have choice. You have choice when you have wealth. Mm-hmm. No wealth, no choice, um, or resources, which you're providing wealth. another resource here through the Scott Mission. But yes, you're you're definitely correct. So we want to provide our clients with resources and choice throughout. You know their working years, and then on into their retirement. You talk about people that have very limited resources and as such, we're uh, very restricted on the choices yeah. that they have throughout their life. Um, we, we have Holly Thompson in studio. She's with the Scots Mission, um, doing good work, uh, uh, really grassroots stuff, um, and, and really helping underprivileged men, correct? Um, you, do know, you help families and women as well? Yep. Uh, we help everyone. Uh, so... Uh, the majority of, of men, or the majority of homeless people are men, but there are still homeless women, there's homeless families, there's homeless seniors. Uh, all those people are welcome as well. Yeah, the latter half hurts me too. It is still, my God, it's yeah. the other side of And it. it's only increasing. Um, you're listening to Hi-Fi Radio. It is a show about money. <laughs> We're giving you some heart here this morning, my good friends, but it's the season for that, and uh, the weather's getting frightful out there. And it reminds us that we have to do a little bit more to help those who have so little choice. Uh, you listen to uh, Hi-Fi Radio, Global News Radio Network, 640 in Toronto. Mosher, right after this. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Good morning. Welcome back to the show about Hi-Fi. It's about show about money, as a matter of fact. It's called Hi-Fi Radio. It's the Global News Radio Network. Yep, the world is flat. We are all connected. And, uh, well, hey, please tell your friends about the show as well. It is a show about money. Uh, and as the season unfolds and as we uh, sip some eggnog, not yet, too early, uh, but as we sip some, I mean, in the day. That's the eggnog season begun, but you just got to wait a little bit. Um Please speak with your family about money, and uh, part of that is giving. Very important part of money. Um, uh, the creator of uh, Spider-Man, Stan, uh, what was his last name again? Stan, I'm thinking Smith, it's not right. Lee. Well done, Holly. <laughs> Stan Lee. I, I met him a few years ago just after doing a television hit, and uh, it popped up again on my Facebook as a memory of three and a half years ago uh, when I saw the former Stan Lee. And uh, his quote was to Spider-Man, uh, with great 
responsive with great power comes great responsibility. Um, so uh, look, all of us have a lot of power. Um, please use it uh, and use it for good. Uh, Holly Thompson is in the studio. Uh, she is with the Scott Mission and. Uh, Again, uh, Jack uh, said, Wolf, I got a great picture uh, I want to show you and a uh, picture of a shelter that was created in front of Union Station. So, uh, Jack, uh, tell me, when, when you saw that, what did that, what ran through your mind and, and, and how do we pivot off of that uh, little set right. of yours this morning? Well, it was right in front of Union Station, right on Front Street, which actually surprised me. And the fact that you're out on, you're going to be doing your Covenant House sleepout tonight, uh, just, you know, shows you the... Uh, the innovativeness that some of these people have out on the street to survive, really, right? They're using, we talked about resources before. This this individual was actually using the resources that were available to him. He had a plastic sheet. There was styrofoam. He had some skids. There was actually a makeshift roof to protect him from the elements. Obviously, it's not the, the ideal situation, but that's what they had. Um, the, the question I'd have for Holly, you mentioned before the break, talking about transition. So how do you guys at Scott's Mission help transition people uh, away from having to live out on the street to obviously getting a, uh, a normal everyday life that we all consider, a job, a house, because there's a lot of barriers to them to achieve those goals, which we take for granted. Yeah, well, the number one thing is not being able to afford a house in the first place, right? Not being able to afford um, even a room um, because the housing prices are so high in the city. Right. But then also you have... Um, Homelessness is often a cycle, right? You are on the street, you might uh, you might find a place, but then habits that you have, addictions that you have, mental illness that you have, or um, you know even head injuries that you have right. can all you know make it hard to sustain that. So we're um, working on a project, um, a pilot project right now. It's in its uh, second or third year almost, um, where. We help people over a long period of time to um, break those habits or to create new habits that make living independently sustainable. Right. So what's like the first step then? Like We always talk to clients about forming good financial habits. The first step for financial habit is kind of spending less than you make and start to save a bit of that money. So for these people on the streets, what's the first step for them to get into um, going in the right direction? Right. I think having um, some stability in your life is your first step. So if you're not um, participating in any program, like so, for instance, um, if you're not going to a shelter, if you're not going to a program like we have at the Scott Mission, um, that might be a first step. So creating community around yourself, people who are going to support you through uh, the long term is the first step. Really, so developing that support network that I think all individuals, like yeah. I said, we sort of take that for granted. We have our families, we have our uh, employees around us that help support us, but these people are really out on their own. But again, I look look at our clients, Jack. You and I are part of our clients' support mm-hmm. network because they have choice, uh, they have assets, they can afford to hire us, and so they have. So, so, so we exponentially have more choice. Flip it around when when you when you hit rock bottom. Choices go to virtually zero. So what you're saying is when they hit rock bottom, they got to find, and through the grace of God, um, <clears throat> find a new network. And so they show up to, at the Scott Mission. They develop relationship with the staff. The staff say, hey, there's also some extra facilities. We have a program. Get involved. Come back and see us. Yeah. Um, Scott Mission is a beautiful, beautiful uh, facility. Uh, you're at 502 Spadina Avenue, right in the heart of the city. Um, Holly Thompson uh, is doing a great job supporting it. Uh, but I want to ask you one final question here, Holly, in the interest of time, is um, 
Children today to pass high school uh, need to put in a volunteer time. They have to volunteer a week of time, 40 hours. Um, Scott Mission has 100 full-time employees, 2,500 volunteers. Uh, is there opportunity for high school kids to volunteer at the Scott Mission? Yeah, definitely. We have uh, anywhere between 20 and 40 volunteers every single day come come in. Some of those come in individually. They might come every week for three hours or uh, they might come as a group. If you are a student or if your children are a student, you might want to put together a group that comes, you know, once per year and... Bam, there's your 40 but, hours. But again, if, if you're in high school and if you, if you need to get 40 hours, yeah. you, you would interview them and, and hopefully yeah, take so them on? Yeah, so our individual volunteers are placed in, in, a, um, in a position that is appropriate to them and um, something that's according to their interest and according to what we need. Um, and they might come for regularly for, for the time that they, they need to complete and hopefully further on. I might volunteer in your kitchen one day. Yeah, bring a group. <laughs> uh, that would mean you have to bring Jack. Uh, well, what, I say, what kind of recipes are you going to make there, Wolf? I, I, okay. I, would just, I would just follow the head chef. Uh, whatever the head chef does, trust me, you, you don't leave. When you walk into a kitchen and you're new, you gotta, it's military, Jack. You understand how military work. you got to show respect and earn your, uh, earn your keep. Uh, so I'd probably end up peeling potatoes and a whole lot of them. Uh, it'd be very humbling. Uh, probably be very good for my spirit. I think I got to do it. Um, uh, Holly Thompson, uh, the Scott Mission. Tis a season uh, to support and help your fellow man. Uh, Scott Mission is a great cause. Um, if you're looking for an idea to give back, that's one I think you should seriously consider. Holly, I can't thank you enough for your time today uh, to join us on Hi-Fi Radio. Um, part of building wealth, as indicated, is giving back. Part of building wealth is thinking about the next generation. Um, part of that, you can also consider disaster clauses and bequeathing of assets to charity. Uh, we're going to bring Jennifer Lynch on. She is a uh, will and estate lawyer. Her focus is drafting um, uh, very, very sound uh, wills. Uh, yes, Jack, you and I have to make people do things they don't want to do, but it's important stuff. Charity, wills, plans, it's, it's all important. So we're here to coach you. Uh, we are part of your network, my good friends. Please stay tuned. Hi-Fi Radio, Global News Radio Network, 640 in Toronto. Listen, we're going to take a break, but when we come back, money. more money talk. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Yeah, good morning. Yeah, you don't want to do that. You don't want to shoot the sheriff because then you have to hire a lawyer and defend yourself. Um, well, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, Jack and I uh, often, so often, encourage our clients to be put in front of a lawyer, but not because they shot the sheriff, uh, but because they're amassing wealth. Um, and think about it. You, you work your entire life or you work 40 years. Uh, if you pay attention to Jack and I, you begin a savings program and an investment program. And, you know, uh, 40 years passes and you have hopefully millions, uh, plus a house, maybe a cottage, a record collection. No, you ain't getting a Jack. Um, and, 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 and yet people put off a document that will direct where this money goes at the time of inevitability, which is your death. Um, and I just went through redrafting my will with this very lovely lawyer, Jennifer Lynch, associate at Robbins Appleby, whose core expertise, I don't see real estate, I don't see defense, I don't see um, criminal, no, no, I see wills and power of attorney and estate administration and trust. So Jennifer is an expert 
in the drafting of wills and as such. That's why I hired her and I often recommend her to our clients to go through the, um, I gonna say god-awful exercise of writing a will. Um, so Jennifer, it, it's interesting, isn't it? Because Jack and I... Uh, in part of constructing a sound financial plan, uh, we'll, we'll do the following. Number one, Mr. Client, Mr. New Client, you have to sit down with our planner and you have to expose yourself to your spending habits, your saving habits, how much assets you have, the shortfalls, et cetera. And people don't even like going through that exercise. And then we say, Mr. Client, you have to go get yourself a little bit of life insurance because it's your moral obligation, I believe, that if you have youngsters at home, uh, otherwise I call them dependents, um, you have a moral obligation to make sure that they're well looked after in the event something were to happen to you. And bad things happen to good people all the time. So we always send our younger families out to make sure that they're properly insured. They don't like doing that, but they get it done. Then the next one is the will. And uh, I've now drafted in my life, I guess my, my this is my second will, Jennifer. Yes, I got married uh, to my beautiful bride, uh, Kathleen, some 20 years ago. And we had a will drafted then. Uh, but then we had some bambinos and... Well, uh, I made a bunch of money, um, and that's a good thing. Uh, and as such, uh, time to revisit the will. And so uh, I hired you, Jennifer, and we went through the exercise. And it's painful. I, 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 said, I remember you and I had a lunch set up, and it was a beautiful lunch. I was taking care for lunch. I like eating. I love my food. But I said, Jennifer, I didn't want to have lunch with you today. Not personal. I just don't want to talk about this stuff, but it's so important that you meet with a lawyer, you, you share with them your, your, your needs, wants, and wishes, and you get it to the finish line. You need to have the document. And it's not completed ever because in five or ten years, you have to revisit the will again. So, um, Jennifer, thank you for holding my hand through the uh, process. And I guess in a week or two, we'll be able to sign off on our will. But it's incredible uh, what you and I went through because updating my will required a lot of updates. Things changed, uh, right? That's right. Yeah. So I'll tell you the one thing, in the spirit of giving, let's start with something that's a very interesting concept that wasn't in my first will. Um, and God forbid it should happen. But again, good things happen to bad people all the time. So you came up with a concept, Wolf, a disaster clause. Have you thought about a disaster clause? And I said, ah. So please speak about the disaster clause and let's, let's parlay the charitable uh, hook into it. Sure. So a, a disaster clause or what I, I or other estate planners might often call a common disaster clause or... An, an ultimate distribution clause really has to do with um, what's going to happen to the residue of your estate. So everything that remains after taxes and it, various estate administration expenses have been paid. What happens to everything at the end of the day? If if you, your family, if you, your wife, your children, your grandchildren are no longer living. So really, this is ty- type kind of trying to contemplate the type of situation where. If you're on a, all on a plane together taking a vacation and the plane goes down, who do you want to be the ultimate beneficiaries of your estate? And at this point, it's really a little bit like playing Santa Claus. Some people say, well, I've got brothers and sisters I'd like to include. But I don't like them. But, but I don't like them exactly. Other people say, well, you know what? Maybe this is that time when I'd really like to benefit that charity. I've always wanted to donate. This is probably a good time to think about who those who those people are I may want to donate to. Okay, so so here's the deal. Jack, disaster clause, family goes down, uh, you're getting a little bit, all right? And a, f- a few family members would get a little bit as well. But the bulk of uh, my estate is going to go to two main charities um, in the unlikely event of a disaster clause. But it's incredible. It's, it's a neat concept. And I think just by incorporating a disaster clause in every will, 
charities will receive a lot more money. Um, but if I don't have a disaster clause in, uh, Jennifer, what would happen? Well, it, you bring up a good point because it's it's always prudent to include that type of clause, even though the situation of that happening could be unlikely. But it, it's prudent just because you want to make sure that there's no intestacy of your estate, that you don't go through all this process of creating a will and, and thought about what you want to happen to your, money, your hard-earned money throughout your lifetime, and then for it to just be distributed according to the, the government's uh, legislation. And right now that would be um, the uh, Substitute Decisions Act. I'm sorry, the, the Succession Law Reform Act of Ontario. Yeah, which, which again, as soon as you said that phrase, I, I, I'm thinking red tape. I, I'm thinking oh, bogged down. Nothing's going to happen with with, with the, the the hard earned assets. So I think disaster clause is actually a very interesting concept, Jennifer. Um, look, we're going to go to commercial break here. We have Jennifer Lynch, and she is a expert in drafting wills. Um, sounds a bit morbid to me, but that's what she does. Talks to people about dying, um, but it's good because the outcome that she comes up with is positive. Uh, but I also want to talk to you after the break, Jennifer, about the responsibility of an executor of a will because I know firsthand that a lot of people who sign up to be the executor do not know what they just signed up for when they have to be where they have to execute. So uh, I want you to explain to us after the break the roles of the executor, um, what they've signed up for, and are they prepared to handle that task? Jennifer Lynch in studio, uh, associate at Robbins Appleby, lawyer, uh, drafter of Great Wills, wrote my will for me. Uh, please stay tuned. Global News Radio Network, 640 in Toronto. The show is Hi-Fi Radio. Making money is the best. So how do you make more money? back after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Well, good morning. Welcome back to the show about money. Um, you know, you're going to work, you're going to work hard, you're going to build wealth in this very wealthy country of ours uh at some point well off we all go and we leave behind uh, assets uh as such you need to have a document uh, as to how those assets would be distributed because if you don't the government will decide for you um you don't want that to happen so uh, i encourage you to make sure that you have a good current will that reflects your needs and wishes and wants um and if not you Get in contact with one. Jennifer Lynch uh, is just about to complete or has completed my will. Uh, it was an exercise that took me and Kathleen, I don't know, three, four months to go through. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I know a little too much. That's my problem. And as such, uh, it opens up some additional clauses. Charitable giving is a big one right now that uh, uh, is front and center because of the season and because of the changing city. Uh, the problems aren't going away, yet the, the wealth is coming into this country and into our city of ours. Um, so charitable giving, you know, if you don't want to do it uh, systematically, which I strongly encourage people to do, um, uh, by the love of Jesus, <laughs> give it uh, upon death. So, Jennifer, give us some other ideas beyond disaster clause as to how, through your estate, you're finding um, 
Ontarians, because you write wills for people who live and reside in the province of Ontario. By the way, that's very, very important to, I think, uh, state there, because uh, it's provincial law, correct, that, that controls your that's state. Right. So, so be, beware if you're from Alberta listening to us right now on the radio network, uh, if you got to find a lawyer in uh, Alberta. But uh, yeah, give us some charitable giving ideas th- through uh, the estate level. Sure. So the, there are many opportunities, really. You could decide to leave a legacy in your will. So that's a set dollar amount of, you know, say X dollars to Covenant House. Um, it, there's the, a benefit of that considering that it's, uh, it's you know the amount, you can decide at the time you're writing your will how much and, and what amount you really think is appropriate. Um, and there's also, of course, tax benefits to doing that. Your estate would receive a, a charitable donation credit for that amount um, let, after let, you let, let, me, mm-hmm. let me interrupt you right there uh, because, again, uh, as Canadians are building up RSPs, um, you know, for, for them to have a, an RSP or a RIF uh, in excess of a million dollars is going to become more and more commonplace over time. Uh, and again, you pass away with, with, without a spouse or your, your second spouse passed away with a million dollar RSP, uh, the tax man is going to take about half of it away on you. So this is a way to minimize the tax hit. That's right. And in another way, in addition to leaving a legacy, is you could also say in your will that you would like to leave a share of your estate to uh, a charity. A so percentage. this would be percentage, exactly. Um, you know, the benefit of this is a lot of people can't decide on a set dollar amount. They just know that charitable giving is very important to them or a specific charity is very important to them that they want to benefit. So this would allow them to give a gift but not have to decide at the date that they write their will, which could be many years before they actually die, what amount might be appropriate. The downside of that is, of course, your you know your value of your assets can, assets can fluctuate throughout your life and you may end up giving more than you had originally intended to charity or far less when you die Hence with the that reason approach. Continuously, you have to review your will every mm-hmm. couple of years to make sure it is current and reflective uh, of your needs, wants, means, uh, and all that good stuff. Exactly. and But there are other opportunities, of course, for charitable giving all the time, and you don't have to wait until you die to make these types of gifts. People will often set up a charitable foundation, like a family foundation, to uh, to for a charitable purpose. Um, they may want to get their family involved in the running of this and, and to really benefit this charitable purpose for many years to come. They could also go a more straightforward route and donate to what's called a donor-advised fund. So this would be a fund within a already set up established charity or many financial institutions may have this and they would essentially you would make a donation but the organization itself would have staff to operate and administer this type I of I went to a presentation on that once. Hey, Jack, remember that? Right, yeah. yeah. So what is the size, I guess, because you talk about a foundation, so there's some, some costs associated with setting that up. What, what size actually makes it economical really for an individual ch- to look at? That's a good question. So charitable foundations are really for people who want to make, uh, people of substantial wealth who want to be making a very, very large gift. So a million dollars or more. Right, yeah. as, as the minimum. As the minimum, exactly. It's not that, again, but Jennifer, it's ironic because it's a, it's a big number, a million dollars mm-hmm. or more, but again, a house in Toronto, more <laughs> than yeah, a million dollars. exactly. So, uh, for sure. Um, what I want to talk, I want to pivot a little bit here because, again, in drafting a will, um, what you need, uh, you need a lot of things. A key thing you need is someone who's going to be the executor of the will. Um, so I, I want to talk to you, A, about the role of the executor, B, how the executor can step down from that position, I, I quit, after you've passed away, and hence the importance, therefore, for contingent 
executors. Um, Please. Sure. So, I mean, it's always a good idea when you're writing your will to contemplate that the, the person you name as executor may predecease you or they may be unwilling or uh, unable to con- to act as executor at the time of your death. So it's always a good idea to then think of who you would want as an alternate to that person or alternates. Um, and you could name multiple people to act together or someone to act as an alternative and then someone to even act as an alternative if that person's not around. But you bring up another interesting point. When that person starts acting, it's really not possible for them to then decide that they want to just resign and they've had too much and and they'd like to call it quits without obtaining a court order. So they need to be, the, the court needs to approve the removal and they need to essentially prepare an accounting of what they've done and the court needs to okay it before they can step down. But again, Jennifer, because I mean, we spoke about this at lunch. Mm-hmm. Um, so I pass away. Jack is my executor. Um, Jack says, before he uh, does anything, says, I quit. I don't want the job. So he can do that before yes. he begins his role. Exactly. I'm dead. Jack takes over. Says, I don't want the job. Exactly. And that, the difference is we would call that renouncing the role. He never takes it on in the first place. But as soon as Jack begins doing a few uh, activities of an executor, he's stuck in the position yes. until the government says, we release you. Yes, he can't simply resign. Hey, Jack, at his look, own look, will. look at Jack's eyes uh, right now. Un- <laughs> don't unless- die, Wolf. Don't die. Hey, uh, we're going to go to commercial break here. Uh, Jennifer Lynch is in studio. Uh, she's a lawyer expertise when it comes to writing, drafting wills, estate administration, trust creation, and bequeathing uh, to those who have so much less. Tis a season for giving as well, my good friends. Uh, Global News Radio Network, 640 in Toronto. The show is Hi Fi Radio. It's all about you and money. More of it right after this. Stay with us. There's more shows still to come. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. It was Christmas in prison and the food was real good. We had turkey and pistols carved out of wood. Hello. Welcome back to the show. About money. Yep. It's coming. Uh, Christmas is coming, and the inevitable is coming. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, but hey, not yet. Hey, not today. Today is the present. Enjoy it. Uh, but uh, my good friends, again, drafting a will, very, very fundamental when it comes to having a sound financial plan. Um, look, you got to hire someone like Jack and I, and we're going to, if you don't have a will, we're going to send you off to a lawyer immediately. It is more important than, than a good investment strategy because what's the point of a good investment plan that Jack and I are going to put together for you if you don't have a good estate plan because it's all going to go to waste. Uh, so for the small amount of money to have a will drafted at $1,000, $2,000, it doesn't matter when you're talking about assets of you know, homes, cottages, RSPs, RESPs, TFSAs, a lot of stuff going on. And there are nuances with all of these items. Um, the RESP is an interesting one, by the way, Jack and Jennifer. Jennifer Lynch, by the way, in studio. She's our lawyer friend. Um, and I just had my lawyer drafted by her. And yeah, it was incredible, wasn't it, uh, Jack? Because again, if I pass away, my RSP, my locked-in RSP uh, will roll over to my wife tax-free. And the RESP is joint between Kathy, Eileen, and I. So the RESP would be sound. Kathleen and I both pass away. Now the estate is going to pay tax on my RSP and on my locked-in account. But the RESP, what happens to my uh, registered education savings plan, Jennifer? Well, uh, you can 
name a subscriber, someone to, to become the subscriber of your RESP on your right death. Because I'm the subscriber. Exactly. Kathy and I are the subscriber. The parents are the subscriber. It, I would say it's usually grandparents <laughs> or parents, obviously, that are subscribers for an RESP. But uh, when you were going through your will with Jennifer, she said if both of you passed away, then you could also name someone else. Is that correct? Is it a guardian then, I, I it, guess, at that point? It, well, it, it is possible to name somebody who's not a family member, but only on your death. And, and this correct. was the... the the point that was a little bit confusing because when you're setting up an RESP when you're alive, you can only have the subscriber be a, a family member, a parent, a grandparent. But And that's it, correct? Parent, grandparent, that's it, right? Not uncles, not nieces, not nephews. That's a good question. I'll leave that one to you. I'm not exactly. Jack, I mean, it's over it, to you. You get back to go back. You know what? I'm pretty sure that it is the the parents and grandparents uh, or guardian. I'd have to confirm that, but uh, that's basically the way it's set up. And the reason for it is because you don't want to have multiple people putting money into an RESP. You don't know who's putting it in. You may miss mm-hmm. out on some grant, and or over, you may over-contribute over as well. Right. You only put fifty thousand dollars. Not only, but the fifty thousand dollars is the maximum you can put in for one child over the life of the. But RESP. again, so if, if I if Kathleen and I pass away, and we're going to pass away one day, just not together. Holding hands, no, no, no. I'm gonna pass away. She's, I'm gonna go first. She's gonna follow a week after. Out of she's gonna be heartbroken. She, she, she won't be able to survive without me here, right? <laughs> She'll be going to Florida so quick. I'm telling you, she will be. Um, but so if Kathy and I both pass away, Jack then is going to be the subscriber to my RESP. Correct, Jennifer? That's correct. And so Jack will then take over the. But it's ironic because as a subscriber. Which is interesting. As a subscriber, you are. I am the legal owner right now. The RESP. It's my money, not my child's money. The child is a beneficiary. But does that mean if Kathy and I pass away, Jack becomes a subscriber? He's actually the legal owner of that account. Well, he is, but he's doing it in his capacity as an executor as mm-hmm. well. So he does still have fiduciary obligations to to administer this in the best interest of your your kids. That's correct. But you don't have to name your executor as the, the subscriber no, of your you RESP. So technically the person that owns the, the assets have been transferred to the subscriber of the new RESP, they are their assets because they can take them out for non-educational purposes potentially. Um, mm-hmm. Again, Jennifer, interest of time, what do you believe is, is, is the biggest stumbling block I have an idea because I think I know what the answer. I'm just curious what you what you have found through your uh, hundreds of hundreds of wills that you have written. Um, what's the biggest stumbling block on a for a couple when it comes to creating a will? The biggest stumbling block, if it's young people who are creating it, is who are going to be the guardians of their children if Bingo. they both pass I, I, away. Agreed. Um, yet legally. The guardian appointed is not really the guardian per se because the children have a lot of clout in that, don't they? They Well, it depends on the, the age of the children. Sure. But um, the guardianship provision in your will would only be good for 90 days. And then after that time, the, the person appointed, the person named would have to apply to the court to be named the permanent guardian it, because it, it just makes sense. I mean, you can imagine that a lot's going to change between the time that you sign your will and when it may or may not be effective. So that person might not still be an appropriate choice many years down the road. The court wants to take another look at it and just make sure that that person is still appropriate. Right. Um, look, there's a lot to cover off when you're drafting a will. Um, it, it is it is an exercise. <laughs> I'm sorry to say with exercise comes a little bit of pain, but rest assured, once it's complete, you will feel 
good about yourself, that you took care of a very, very important component. Again, you're working decades to build wealth. Um, don't let the government decide uh, how it's going to be distributed uh, and administered. And again, perhaps you wrote a will 15 years ago. The executor is not in good health anymore. Um, perhaps there's a change in your family's status. Perhaps you got divorced and remarried and you're still playing with an old will. These do- it's a very, very important document. Um, same as you know, assigning proper beneficiaries to various accounts. Uh, a lot of detail um, uh, we, we see clients uh, stumble on and hence don't optimize dollars. Jack and I are in the business of optimizing money. Uh, and that means you're going to have more of it to give to charity. Oh, I'm still sticking with it, but it's important, my good friends. I can see it right now, the pain and suffering out there. Not by you and I. We're warm and comfy, but by others. So please give. Uh, and through your will is a great way to do so. Uh, Jennifer Lynch, an associate at Robbins Appleby. Uh, core expertise, of course, writing wills, dealing with the straight administration and trusts. Uh, perhaps we'll have a whole session on trust creation because that too is a i think a very interesting strategy but we are out of time i want to wish you all a great weekend thank you for listening i hope you learned something if you have any questions you always contact jack and i wolfgangkline.com happy to answer any of your questions and please uh, tell your friends about the show because uh, the show is for you and for them to help you all have more money uh, you have yourself a great weekend Listening to Hi Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle, portfolio managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any money questions you need answered, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi Fi Radio, for the love of money. We'll see you next week.